So tonight, um, what's been kind of stern in my heart, uh, pastor asked this morning, he's like, what are you teaching on? And I was like, well, I kind of had it, but then when he was teaching this morning, God kind of did something different. So I'm just going to share what's on my heart, and the title of this message is Tell Them. And um, I know Pastor Andy for the past few weeks has been teaching some powerful messages, um, very phenomenal on um, reaching the harvest, reaching the lost. And I mean, he's just so awesome at it. You know, I mean, just the way he talks to people and the way he, you know, shares the gospel and the way he does it, it's just so amazing and it's phenomenal. And I mean, it's like almost every day he's posting on Facebook, you know, this person, that person. I'm like, man, you know, that's so cool. I need to up my game, you know, get one, you know. <laughs> so, but um, anyway, um, so I just want to encourage you and um, just go through a story of how Jesus um, shared the good news and, you know, how we can glean from him and learn from him. I mean, he's the best example. And um, there's this story tucked in the Bible about a Samaritan woman. And um, so I want to talk a little bit about that um, Samaritan woman. Um, but we have been commissioned by Jesus Christ as believers to preach the good news to every person. And that's something that everyone can do. It doesn't matter what age you are, your, your language, your background, no matter. If you receive Jesus, then you have the ability to share him with someone else. It's that simple. What you received is really just what you're sharing. And when we think about it, to hold on to that powerful, life-changing information really is selfish. So it's something that we have to work at getting over ourselves, whatever's hindering us, whatever stops us, whatever fear, whatever hesitations, whether it's fear of rejection, whatever it is, we really need to get past that and share, I mean, at the very least, what God has done for you. You know what I mean? Just sharing that to somebody else will help them. And so um, in Mark 16, 15 in the Amplified, it says, And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news, the gospel, to every creature of the whole human race. If he said it, then we can do it. It's just that simple. If he said it, we can do it. If it's something that he's asking us to do, that means he's going to be with us while we're doing it. Amen. So he's not just throwing us out there, pushing us out there, sitting back in heaven going, I told them to go tell somebody about me, but <laughs> let me see what they're going to do. No, he's not sitting back laughing, no, but he's there right with you. If anything, he, if you listen, he'll direct you on where you need to go. He'll help you and say, hey, talk to that person or do this or do that. And so that's what we see in this story of Jesus. Um, one of the biggest questions I find, um, especially working with uh, young adults and being around them a lot, is that they always want to know why. Why do I need Jesus? Why do I need to live this certain way? Why is it just exclusively Jesus? Why can I do this and that? Why, why, why? They want to know why. 
And I want to encourage you not to be afraid to tell them why. Just because somebody asks questions doesn't mean that you need to back off of what you believe, but you just need to be ready to answer the questions that they have. And that's you spending time in the Word and spending time in prayer, and God will help you in those situations. So what we um, look at is we think, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm not going to say anything to them because if they ask and I don't have an answer, I don't want to mess it up, you know, whatever. But we put so much emphasis on I, but it's him. And he said, just go and I'll help you. I like how that in that scripture that Kenya, you know, shared before that, Moses was like, well, what am I supposed to tell him? Can you imagine, you know, God is like, okay, go. And Moses is like, what am I supposed to tell him? Tell him I am. I am. Didn't make sense to him. Okay, I'm going to walk in the room. Who sent you? I am sent me. But God knew. And there was power in those words. There was power in that revelation. And so Moses being obedient brought the power to the situation. And so God was able to move. And so you just need to be obedient. And the power will come, and God will do his part. We want to do our part and his part. We want to figure it all out. But he's like, just do your part. I'll take care of the rest. So in this story, in John chapter 4, verse 1, and I'm going to read it to you out of the Passion Translation. And um, just a little bit of background. So we have the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan. And Samaritans were a mixed race of Jews um, and another um, race of people. And oftentimes, um, the Jews, they did not like the Samaritans. They didn't like the mixed race. I'm not going to get into all the history of that. You know, whatever. We deal with that stuff today. I mean, prejudice is prejudice, whatever, you know. And so anyway, so here's this woman. She's a Samaritan. The Jews would literally go around this city because they, you know, they didn't want to cross and go through where these people were. So they would always go around this city. So Jesus, for him to even go to this well, that was a big deal, okay? So he, he met this woman. And so when she came to the well to draw the water, it was at noontime. Now, most of the time, the women would come and draw water from the well. They would come in the morning and they would come in the evenings. They didn't come in the noon, okay? So she was sneaking out there because... She was living in a life of sin, and she didn't want to hear it. So she picked a time of day, I'm going to just live my life, do my thing, and I don't want to hear from these other women or anybody else, so I'm coming at noon. Okay? So she picked a time of day where she thought she could sneak out, and um, she was known for, for sin and, you know, b- being in this place, and for, for Jesus to even talk to her was such a big deal. No Jewish man would talk to a woman in this state. Okay, and then, um, anyway, so we'll go into the story. So it says um, in John chapter 4, verse 1, and again, this is a Passion Translation. It says, soon the news reached the Jewish religious leaders known as the Pharisees that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers coming to be baptized than Uh, come to be baptized in John. Although Jesus didn't baptize, but had the disciples baptize the people, um, I can't see. (laughs) I'm going to read out of my Bible. (laughs) I can zoom in. (laughs) Um, 
Jesus heard what was being said and abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well and sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Now Jesus woke up every morning. He spent time in the presence of God. So this was a divine appointment. So I already told you, this is not a normal route. Most people go around, but Jesus went and, went and sat on the well. It was noontime, and he knew that one woman was coming. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. She replied, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus replied, if only you knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and the well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? So she perks up because she's like, you know, I got to come out here with a bucket every day and I got to dig in this well. So if you got an easier way to get this water, I'm down. Let me know. And he said, do you really, she said, do you really think you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never be thirsty again. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit flooding you with endless life. Amen. The woman replied, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here and draw water. Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. She said, but I'm not married. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. Jesus wasn't afraid to confront the sin. But he did it in a way where she acknowledged it as well. She's like, true that. You're not lying. That's right. Jesus responded, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you will worship the Father, neither on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship, but we Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is available. From now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with a right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. The woman said, this is all so confusing, but I don't know that anointed one that is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. So, you know, she tried to distract Jesus from what he was saying by bringing up, hey, you know, we worship over here, you worship over there. And Jesus brought her right back to what he was going to. You'll have people, when you're trying to tell them about um, Jesus, you'll have them bring up crazy stuff. Well, why did God do this? And what about this? And what about that? But your job is to tell them the truth. Right. Not be in a heated debate and not create arguments. Right. They want to know what you're going to do with that. I used to, you know, one of the things that I wanted to be when I grew up was a lawyer. 
because like I used to watch all those lawyer shows and I thought it was the greatest thing to get paid to argue. Because <laughs> I would argue with a fly. I mean, you asked my mom, no, absolutely did not mean no. There was some negotiating, we're gonna work this out, I'm gonna argue my case and I'm gonna, you know, bring up something because I just wanna argue with you about it. And so sometimes there are people that's just like that, and you're like, you know, the sky is green. The sky is clearly blue, but uh-uh, tell me, you know? So Jesus brought her right back to know, this is why I'm here and I'm gonna help you. And let's see, verse 26 says, Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. At that moment, his disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman. Yet none of them dared ask him why or what they were discussing. I'm glad they knew better. All at once, the woman left her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. Here this woman is, totally disgraced in sin. Jesus gives her the truth, shares life with her. She leaves from that place and immediately, and it was a miracle that anybody even listened to her. She's like, I don't care what y'all think about me, but listen, you got to hear this. Then the disciples began to insist that Jesus eat some of the food they brought back to him, saying, Teacher, you must eat something. But Jesus told them, I have eaten a meal you don't know about. Puzzled by this, the disciples began to discuss it among themselves. Did someone already bring him food? To clarify, Jesus spoke up and said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and bring it to completion. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, Why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is the harvest time. Their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain ready for a harvest. Everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. Both those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the spiritual harvest will celebrate together with great joy. And this confirms the saying, one sows the seed and the other reaps the harvest. I have sent you out to harvest the field that you haven't planted, where many others have labored long and hard before you. And now you are privileged to profit from their labors and reach the harvest. Many from the Samaritan village became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Then they begged Jesus to stay with them, so he stayed there for two days, resulting in many more coming to faith in him because of his message. She was not afraid to share what she received. It was life-changing. She knew she was wrong, but to hear the love and compassion of Jesus Here's a man who's talking to her, who's sharing the love of God with her, who recognized the sin that was going on in her life, but he didn't condemn her. He offered her a way out. Amen. We are to be compassionate, not judgmental. 
We miss so many opportunities for people to receive Jesus because we judge them. We won't go sit on the side of the well because of where the well is situated. We won't talk to that person because of the sin that we see them in. We expect them to clean themselves up and then come over to our side of the well so that they can hear what we have to offer. But what did Jesus do? We can learn a lot from him. One, listen to the Holy Spirit. He will guide you. He will send you to the right well. And this doesn't just apply to people who haven't heard the message of the gospel. This also applies to those who have turned their back on him. Sometimes we as a church, we pass so much judgment on people that have been through things and they weren't strong enough to continue walking with God. But we shouldn't give up on them. We shouldn't say, oh, well, they should know better. They should be doing this. They should be doing that. Maybe that's the well where God is sending you to and he's saying, shut up and go. Their parents have been praying for them. Somebody has been praying for them, and I'm sending you with the message of love to restore them and to bring them back into the kingdom of God. And they may need you to say, hey, you know, I know you've been doing this, but let me tell you, Jesus loves you more. And he has a great plan, and he has a purpose for your life. Why should you leave that behind, and why should you come back to him? Or why should you serve him in general? Because he's a God that loves you. He has a plan, and he has a purpose for your life. He has things for you to do. He doesn't want you to die and go to hell, but he wants to be with you forever in eternity. This life that we're living is temporary. What you're in is temporary. Eternity is forever. Why? Number two, be creative. Don't be a pushy salesperson. Jesus made his way over to the well. He was real creative. He's like, I got some water for you. She perked right up. She was right there. He used what was right there in front of her. He used what made sense to her. Number two, be genuine in your care and concern. Look for a way to serve them. Can I pray for you? Can I pay for that for you? Can I carry that for you? Can I mow your grass? Oh, you got small kids? Can I watch them for you? Can I help you do this? Can I help you do that? Be creative. Holy Spirit will show you ways. And when you listen to him, what seems like something so small and insignificant to you could mean a really big deal to them. Have you ever seen a young mom with some unruly kids? Young dad, you know, the kids may be running around. My sister told me today, she's like, Ashton got a bad report in class for the first time. He wasn't listening. And then she picked him up from class and he was running around the church after service, you know. And some of us can sit back and be like, "Mm, look at that mom just letting her kid run around the church. 
But what if she needed some help? What if she was having a hard day? You know, I'm not saying this is her experience, but you know, sometimes we, we judge, but it could simply be like you walking over to that parent going, it's okay. My kids were bad too. <laughs> they, all, they all do that. They just need some training. It's okay. You're not a bad parent just because they do things. Kids do things. They come up with stuff. They're really creative to make you look bad. <laughs> they do it on purpose. I swear, I, they have a class. They come together and they conspire on ways to do stuff, you know, make you look bad in public. They're fine at home, but as soon as you get in public, let's fall out in the store, act like you beat me, you know, all that stuff. But you know, you may walk up to that, that parent in the grocery store and their child is flipping out or throwing, you know, I was on the phone with my sister and Ashton again, you know, she's like, it's so embarrassing, he's throwing his juice all over the aisles. And I was like, it's fine, you know, no, it's not, you know. But you know, you might walk up to somebody like that and say, hey, you know, it's okay. And that's a way for you to start a conversation and share the love of God with them. Help them walk in peace. Number, um, let's see, um, be compassionate. It's not about numbers, but it's about relationship. I know we have a goal to reach um, 3,000 people, but it's not about the numbers. It's not about you going out going, I reached 100 people today, I got 45 today, I got this today. It's about you reaching one person, one person at a time. Not so you can walk around and say, oh, my belt is full of souls. Look at all my souls. <laughs> no, it's about something that's more important. The more people on this side going to heaven is the less amount of people going to hell. And that's all the numbers are about. We wanna see less going the wrong way. Try not to offend people. Have respect for them. They don't convert because of logical arguments. It's because of the anointing and the power of God. It's because of his presence. It's because of his love in your conversation. Your goal is not to offend people. It's to love people. I'm sure Jesus could have said a whole lot of other stuff. But he chose to love. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 25, in the New Living Translation says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. You present the truth and God will do the rest. Amen. You may be just sowing the seed. They may not make that decision right away, but I tell you what, it's in them. They've heard it. And then the next person comes along in layers and layers and layers. And some people are hard head and take a lot of layering and a lot of stuff. But all you have to do is your part. Give them the truth. In order for you to give them the truth, you have to know the truth. So don't try to hop out with all your thoughts and your opinions but give them the word of God. Amen. 
Know the message, keep it simple, be authentic, and be real. Don't be afraid to share your story. Why do you believe? Why are you a Christian? Why have you been doing this your whole life? Why have you been serving God your whole life? Why haven't you chose another route? Why don't you serve another God? Some of you may need to stop and answer those questions for yourself. You grew up in a, you know, in a, in a, um, under a belief system that you can't ask questions, thinking if I ask questions, oh, you know, if I'm asking a question, that means I don't believe in me. No, you're allowed to ask questions. And the number one question you should ask yourself is, why do I believe? Is it because I feel like it's the right thing to do? It feels comfortable? You know, I like going to church. It's really nice. There's a lot of nice people at church. You know, I mean, that's why I'm a Christian, because there's a lot of, I like being a nice person. No, you need to know why you believe. Why do you believe this message? And when it's in you, and when you have that understanding, then it makes it easier for you to share. So sometimes I have to stop, and I, I write down, because I, I want to remember the things that God has done for me. So then in situations when it's like, you know, I could go left instead of right, I'm like, I, I remember, I remember God when I was stuck in this situation and I needed wisdom and you gave me wisdom. I remember when I was in a place of fear and you brought me peace. I remember when I was sick and you healed me. I remember when I had this huge student loan debt and you delivered me from that debt. I mean, the list goes on and on. I remember. I remember when I was crying. I remember. I, guys, I, it's, it's like ingrained in my head, but it, the carpet was a total different color, and we had these big purple curtains across here. There was this teal thing across the floor. The carpet was weird. And I remember being right here on the floor, face down, crying, broken as a youth, not sure which way I should go in my life, just really dealing with should I go forward in life and really struggling and, you know, had grown up in church, but I remember being right here on the floor, crying, giving out everything, and I remember women of the church laying hands on me and just praying for me and God delivering me. I remember that thought comes to me. I remember about here-ish. <laughs> Yeah, been on the carpet a lot. <laughs> Being laid out and telling God I would obey him and go to Ramah and stop running from the call of God on my life. I remember being there and Brother Hagen laying hands on me. I remember being like right here-ish. <laughs> and Pastor David and Vicki laying hands on me before I went to Ramah and Pastor David speaking out by the word of God, you know, don't close yourself off to relationships, but be open to what God has for you. And I remember disobeying that for a whole year. <laughs> but I remember. I remember being on the concrete ground at camp when I finally decided I was going to serve God for real. And it was like when we had those amazing campfire services. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> Nothing like being out in the dirt and you got this big old flame of fire and everybody's telling you, you know, get your life right or you're going to go to hell. And do you feel the flames of hell, you know? <laughs> and it was like, whoosh, you know, and they would put the, they would put the lighter fluid in the fire while they were saying that. They'd go, boosh, you know, whatever. <laughs> 
those visuals, you know, and you felt the heat of hell, you know. But I remember <laughs> being laid out on the ground in front of that campfire and really surrendering my life to the Lord. Y'all need some of them campfire experiences <laughs> at camp. And they scared hell out of us. It was like, we could not do anything. Everything you did wrong, you were going to hell, you are going to hell. It's like, all right, all right, you know. But anyway, so remember and share that with them. Um, 1 Peter 3.15, New Living Translation says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. We are called to be messengers of the good news, preachers of the gospel. No matter what a person has done, God's uncensored grace is available. No matter what they're going through, there is hope. Amen. Um, I know we're kind of short on time. We might go over a little bit, but I want to do this object lesson because I want everybody to get involved and I want you to kind of have a visual of what we're doing. So um, what you're going to do for this activity, everybody, everybody, Miss Sherry, everybody. <laughs> so um, I'm going to have the girls and possibly some help. So everybody's going to get a balloon. If you cannot blow up a balloon, give it to somebody next to you. Have them blow up your balloon, okay? And nobody pass out from blowing up balloons, all right? <laughs> we got, apparently, we found out before service, we do have oxygen machines and all that stuff. But that's not necessary if you just ask somebody next to you to blow up your balloon. So you're going to get a balloon, blow it up about... two pumps of air, so about this big, okay? Then you're going to take one of these wonderful Sharpie markers, and then you're going to write your name on the balloon, all right? Okay, everybody got it? And we, we can all help each other, okay? We're all family, so we work together, okay? Don't leave anybody out. Now, if somebody doesn't want to come up here, everybody needs to have a balloon with their name on it. So if somebody doesn't want to come up here, I need some volunteer runners. That'll help, okay? All right, so everybody come on up here. Get your balloon. Write your name on it. And then we've got some trash bags. Um, once you do that, you're going to stick your balloon inside of these. Come on out. with the. We're going to stick your balloon inside the trash bag. All right. Y'all got this? Okay. Might need some more help with the trash bag. Yeah, you can play. All right. Yeah, you can. <laughs> All right. Now, maybe you can blow them up, but you can't tie them. So just um, have somebody help you tie them. Or you got some nails like Miss Wanda and you can't get your fingers out of it. <laughs> Put your first and last name on it. It's okay. Put your first and last name on it in case we have any duplicate names. Y'all, can y'all handle them balloons? <laughs> All right, anybody need help? Whoa, that one didn't make it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, everybody have a balloon with their name on it. That's good, Rosie. 
Oh. <laughs> First and last name, yeah. Y'all doing so good. <laughs> at the end, yeah, you can take it home at the end. But right now you got to put it in the bag. Is that one blow up? Oh, gotcha. <laughs> it's a baby balloon. <laughs> All right, everybody bring those Sharpies back. <laughs> Minister Linda gonna get me from taking them out of the supply room. All right, now y'all can come up close, you know, for this activity, move up to the, oh Lord. <laughs> All right. You don't have to draw figures on the balloon, just your, your first and last name. Let's go, go over and collect those. Yeah. All right, we got some runners. All right, everybody made a balloon. I see Miss Reese still has her balloon in her hand. She's drawing a map of Las Vegas on it or something. Oh, you were being a helper. Thank you, Miss Rhea. You're the best. Doctor, doctor. <laughs> She's a phenomenal helper. I'm very thankful for her and the ministry that God has given her. All right. It's looking good. Look at everybody standing in anticipation. I love it. All right. Any more balloons scraggling? I see a little one back, see a couple little ones. Really, Kyle? That does not count as a, did you even put air in it? That's a cheating balloon. All right, now the fun part. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, does everybody remember what bag their balloon went in? You do? Okay, good. So you go back, you guys go back and kind of switch it around. Oh. oh. Go behind the wall, switch bags. Like bag. Yeah, don't let them see. Well, no, they can see you. Here, come in here, switch bags real quick. All right, switch, 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 switch. Switch, 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 switch. All right, awesome. All right, come on out. The suspense. That's all. I just wanted a balloon with everybody's name on it. You guys have a wonderful evening. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so part two of this. So shake those bags up and... Oh, no, let them out. Sorry. 
Mix them all around, all around. Go down and kick them around. Mix them. All right, move them around. Move it, move it, move it. Move it, move it, move it. All right. All right. Great. Now, everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. I know. Wait. Okay, wrong direction. All right. Here we go. All right. It's so quiet in this room. All right. I'm going to give you one minute to find your balloon. Ready, set, go. With your eyes closed? No, with your eyes open. Eyes open. Find your balloon. 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 Find your own balloon. You cannot help anybody. Find your own balloon. If it's not yours, drop it. Find your own balloon. If it's not yours, drop it. Kick it around. Something. You have to find your own balloon. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Stop. All right. All right, now everybody come throw your balloons back. <laughs> throw them back on the ground. Throw them back. Throw them back, there you go. All right, now who did not find their balloon? Okay, awesome. Who found that pretty challenging? A little confusing, right? All right, so now we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to give you one minute. Put that balloon down. <laughs> okay, put it down. So you have one minute. You're going to pick up a balloon, not yours, and you're going to find the person the balloon belongs to. Ready? Go. Don't pick up your own. Thank you. Don't pick up your own. Everybody should have a balloon in their hand. Keep your balloon. When you have your balloon, have a seat. When you have your balloon, have a seat. Oh, I gotta get my balloon? Yes. Oh, oh, okay. Thank you. Oh, 
All right, stop. Okay, everybody have a seat. Does everybody have their balloon? What's your name? <laughs> Everybody should have their own balloon. Everybody should have their balloon with their name on it. Yeah, give up the other one. <laughs> You were supposed to pick up a balloon and give it to the person it belongs to. Oh, sorry. You taking everybody else's balloon. Who has Diana Lambie's balloon? Oh, that's what happened. She got you. There you go. All right. Does everybody have their balloon? Whose balloon is that? There's two balloons right here. Whose do you have? Marie. <laughs> Hooked on phonics. <laughs> All right. Does everybody have their balloon? All right. So when the game ended, if, raise your hand if you did not have your balloon when the game ended. Okay. Are, do you still have your, do you have your balloon now? There it is. So I've learned some people didn't get their balloon because people couldn't read the balloons. I should have said, write it legibly. <laughs> the purpose of this activity was to show you um, in the first round when you had to find your own name amongst the group of balloons, less people found themselves. But on the second half of the activity, when you just picked up, a loon, up a, picked up a balloon and had to find the person that it went to, there was a higher success of the balloons finding their way home. And this was just a fun little illustration to tell you that when you're focused on yourself, <laughs> it makes it a little harder in life, but when you keep your eyes out for other people and you consider others and look at all of those around you, you'll find greater success. Amen? So I want to encourage you. It's not always about looking out for number one. Consider other people. So I'm going to close with this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 through 21, and the Message Bible says, Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong. 
as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life emerges. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you say, in Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. Amen.